Welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber. I'm sitting here with Anna Chazinski, James Harkin, and Andy Murray. And once again, we have gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. And in no particular order, here we go. Starting with you, Chazinski. My fact is that Kaiser Wilhelm once lost a valuable arms contract for Germany because he slapped the king of Bulgaria on the bottom. <laughs> uh, this was a thing he did. He liked to slap people on the arse. And uh, the, so the king of Bulgaria was Ferdinand at the time, and he visited. And apparently he was wearing his colonel's uniform, which had been made when he was a bit slimmer. So he'd put on some extra weight and he was leaning out of the palace window in Germany. And Kaiser Wilhelm noticed that his unmentionables were tight and so he slapped him on the so ass. his unmentionables are another word for trousers are they well i think it was so the historian says he noticed that his unmentionables were tight so when he leaned out of the window he presented a mark so tempting that the emperor administered a resounding spank on the sacred seat of the king anyway he was very very angry and he then awarded an arms contract to someone else that had been going to go to germany as a result so prank kind of backfired yeah but he did so he was a big bottom slapper wasn't he he loved to slap bottoms he, he yeah his, he had, i read that he had a secret society the White yeah. Stag Dining Club. So the oh, idea yeah. behind that is that when you were trying to gain admission, you'd have to tell a <laughs> vulgar joke and then present your butt to the Kaiser, who would then slap it, oh. and then you were allowed in. So, I, I read he smacked you on the bum with the flat of his sword. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, which is yeah. a bit important to get the flat. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> another death tonight <laughs> at the White Stag Dining Club. <laughs> when the king cut yet another man in two. <laughs> Was with Ferdinand? Was that with his hand or was it? That was with his hand. So the, okay. the flat of the sword was the White Stag Dining Club, but yeah. just casually with acquaintances, it was the flat of the hand. So just explain, Anna, who Kaiser Wilhelm was. So, yeah, Kaiser Wilhelm, as you correctly pronounce it. Kaiser Wilhelm II uh, was Kaiser of Germany, was King of Germany until 1918. Um, when there was a revolution that uh, so eventually led to the rise of the Nazis, etc. Yeah. Kaiser Wilhelm II was also the colonel-in-chief of the Royal Dragoons at the start of the First World War and didn't turn up, obviously, yeah. <laughs> for duty because he was the Kaiser of Germany. So there were lots of, there were lots of things like that because the royal families were so mixed up. So he was the cousin of George V, the king. Wasn't he the cousin of this guy who he slapped on the arse as well? Or the they were related. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, he was. Well, Ferdinand. Yeah. Oh. He was the cousin of Nicholas II, the Tsar of Russia. It was this incredible time when everyone was related to each other. Yeah, in those well, that's circles. always been royal families in Europe, yeah. hasn't it? True. They love, they love the old incest. He was. Uh, <laughs> 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 he kept some weird company, and he was into some quite camp activities. There was quite a famous incident when he was being entertained. So he liked to dress like he had like four hundred different military uniforms that he liked to dress up, and he changed outfits four or five times a day. He redesigned the German military uniform something like thirty-seven times in seventeen years. <laughs> he was just obsessed with it. Loved dressing up. I love that idea that you know you get armies who don't really know if they're all on the same side. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. they've had a redesign. Yeah. Wait, are we supposed to be killing you? Yeah. <laughs> are you wearing March's collection? We're now in June. <laughs> 
Apparently, he um, whenever he ate plum pudding, he always wore the uniform of a British admiral. <laughs> he was insane. He was totally insane. He and it, he hit other people as well in public. So he hit um, the Grand Duke Vladimir, who, who was a Russian Grand Duke, on the back with a field marshal's baton. In 1904. Wow. I mean, he, he was quite wild. Mm. He didn't really respect anything. Um, on bum slapping, they, so for Chinese Lunar New Year, mm-hmm. then Taoists visit this temple where they go to get uh, ritually slapped or whipped. So men are slapped and women are whipped by the temple staff, and that means good luck all year round. And thousands of people really? go to this temple to get slapped every year. Wow. On the bum? On the bottom. <laughs> um, according to the church, it is an okay thing to slap your child's bot. Is it? Bop? As long as you call it a bop. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, give us your bop. <laughs> bop, bop. Um, wait, is this... Um, this was the Pope. This is the, yes, always the Pope. But the Pope has also said, if you make fun of my mum, I'll punch you in the face. <laughs> what? So, what? Yeah, he did. Didn't you see that? No. He said this was after the Charlie Hebdo thing. He said, um, if you make fun of my mum, you can expect a punch. And then he sort of joshed uh, with the Cardinal standing next to him, I sort see. of miming, hitting him on the face. Oh, okay. Was it a metaphor for if you make fun of religion, then... People will attack you. Uh, yeah. Oh. yeah. So, um, as does buttock slap has been copyrighted, no, trademarked. So, you know the adverts where they go, um, they have a little jingle and then someone sl- slaps da, 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 bum, bum. Yeah. Like that, yeah. That um, so, for the purposes of advertising meat, fish, poultry, game, coffee, tea, bread, agricultural, horticultural and forestry products and other items, um, you can't use a buttock slap unless you're Asda. Did you say forestry? Forestry products. So you can't yeah. sell a tree with that. <laughs> you never been we all know it. that's the best way to sell a tree. Yeah. Please buy a tree. <laughs> you put it right in your back pocket. Is, yeah. is the slap suggesting you're hitting your wallet? Yeah, it's like um, I've right. got. I've spent not that much money, so I still have some money left in my yeah. back pocket, and okay. now I'm going to slap it. But also, I don't keep my money safely in a purse or wallet. I keep it in loose change in my pocket. Yes, that's the other implication. So it implies you're a bit fun as well. Yeah. And you've got I didn't s- see, I never read into that second meaning. I have to say, I thought Dan asking about the first meaning was quite obvious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like a dad. <laughs> Everyone at Asda has a fun ass. Yeah. Thing. I um, don't know. I just thought it was everyone needs a thing. You can't explain it sometimes. You know, you ask a band why they called their band name that. They don't know. I thought maybe Asda were like, we don't know why we're hitting. <laughs> but it's working. Get complete rights on that those dickheads trying to sell trees get them away (laughs) this is ours Uh, gotta stop buying woodland from asta yeah okay here's the thing about the kaiser so he had like an intimate circle of of friends and and confidants and apparently one uh, count um they were quite sycophantic and so one count allowed himself to be led before the kaiser imitating a poodle with a marked rectal opening Well, I don't know what, what that does means. That mean? I don't really know, and I, actually, I don't really want to know. Well, is so that that he's he's imitating the marked rectal opening of a poodle, or know. is it is the rectal opening separate to the poodle imitation? There are some dogs where that you can see their bums. Uh, yes, you know. is that what it is? You I think so. The okay. ones with their tails up. Yes, yes, yeah. those. but I wouldn't build that into a fancy dress costume. <laughs> no, it's just in case someone else comes as a poodle. <laughs> also, there wasn't really a mention of a costume, was there? It just says he was imitating. <laughs> <laughs> And that's a very broad spectrum yeah. of behaviour. He um, also liked to um, sit on his horse behind his desk because it made him feel like, yeah, like a warrior when he was doing his, <laughs> his, his homework or his 
tax return or whatever you How do. Could you did do he have that? a yeah? Did he have a high desk or did he have a tiny horse? Shell and pony. Or did he just have a long pen? <laughs> Those are the only options I can think of. <laughs> he um, he led military exercises, so he you know which is just training exercises for the whole army. But obviously, whenever he did that, he was so hypermasculine and so in charge that the commander on the other side had to basically throw the military exercise and say, oh, you've won again, Kaiser Wilhelm. Well done. Yeah. You know that um, really awesome character from history, Annie Oakley? Do you know the story about Annie Oakley? So she was, she was part of the Buffalo Bill uh, touring group, and she had the amazing shot. Uh, and she was asked to shoot off the ash of a cigarette oh, that yeah. was being held in the hands of Kaiser Wilhelm. Wow. And she did it. So from a distance, she took a shot and she managed to knock the cigarettes in half in his hands. And people say that had she killed him, that may have prevented World War One. Wow. And she actually wrote to him much later uh, requesting a second shot when she found that out. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't respond. When did this guy die? Uh, 1941, I think. Right, okay. uh, yeah, it's kind of amazing that he got away. He managed to live through the rise of fascism. And he lived in... What country did he live in? He lived in the Netherlands in exile for a while. Yeah. And he kept writing to Hitler. At first, he started writing to Hitler congratulating him on winning various battles with my armies uh, in uh, a sort of, look, we're on the same team. You're using yeah. my military. And Hitler was kind of like, what are you talking about? You've been missing for cool. 20 years. I overthrew you. And eventually, he got quite angry. So I it's think. a bit like I loosened the top of this janjar lid and you all you had to do was exactly. just yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of that but he ended up hating Hitler and the Nazis he did and there was a thing about his funeral in which he, he wanted no swastikas at his funeral but apparently his funeral was just completely surrounded I think yeah, I might ask for that at my funeral I was just going to say <laughs> <laughs> is that a box you can tick when you're <laughs> but sh- surely that's a surefire way of ensuring your funeral is stuffed with swastikas <laughs> so you wouldn't ask for no swastikas unless you wanted them yeah changed. that's true what are you that's like going guys no birthday this year I don't want a birthday <laughs> no birthday presents please okay yeah. especially no swastika wrapping paper <laughs> okay time for fact number two and that is Andrew Hunter Murray my fact is that beware of pickpocket signs attract pickpockets they shouldn't make them so pretty no <laughs> they shouldn't festoon them with wallets and purses <laughs> so why would that happen this is because they have them in public places. You've probably seen them wherever you live, is that they have big signs saying, beware thieves operate in this area, or beware there are pickpockets nearby. And pickpockets like to hang out near those signs, because as soon as someone sees that sign, they will immediately pat their pocket or their trousers or wherever they're keeping their personal money. Is that because they're just filming Asda adverts nearby? <laughs> <laughs> Don't steal my stuff. Um, <laughs> Um, and so then the thief knows exactly where your stuff is and he can follow you. Yeah. And um, so if you see one of those signs, the thing to do is not go, hey, let me just check my wallet still where it was. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so the pickpockets, one of the things they do is, this has been studied by a neuroscientist, who says basically what they do is totally overload you with information. It's not just about where their hands are. They, they're up close to you and they're distracting you. They're talking loudly to you. They're arguing with you. They're, they're touching bits of your body, your you know, which are not. They're touching, slapping your bum. Um, they just completely overload you. This is particularly with stage pickpockets pockets but the same principle applies and it's basically right. because our brains can't do more than one thing at once so they yeah they so if they're like touching your bum you're like why has he touched my bum and when you turn around they've taken your hat off yeah well, well, they, he's, he's already in your jacket pocket or something yeah yeah, yeah. Um, um in 2009 a russian bank employee gave over eighty thousand dollars of cash to a woman who had hypnotized her uh in the bank wow i think that 
I am not sure about that. Oh, it feels like she might be the, the accomplice, do you think? <laughs> no, I just think that I was hypnotised is often a very easy excuse for mistakes that one has made. <laughs> yeah. For once, I, I was if, in the pub at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I left the whole bank unattended. <laughs> <laughs> she hypnotised me to go to the pub and stay there all day. No, I don't know how she did it either. <laughs> Um, I, I read a great ro- robbery story uh, that was in the news, I think, a couple of days ago, cool. which was a guy, he uh, he robbed a local grocery outlet and managed to get away. They kind of knew who he was, though, straight away, so they, they were chasing him. But when he was caught, the kind of defense of going, it wasn't me, was totally knocked out by the fact that he was carrying the money that he stole in a canvas bag that he'd drawn a massive dollar bill <laughs> sign. <laughs> the huge classic, like, what are you, the Riddler from the 1960s Batman? <laughs> Who carries bags like that? It's like a double bluff. (laughs) This is the last place the police will think to look. (laughs) I hope in prison that they gave him a special outfit with arrows all over it. (laughs) Um, There's apparently a school of the seven bells. Have you guys heard of this? No. no. For which there's um, no actual verification because people don't admit to attending it, but it's rumoured to exist in Colombia and the final, it's called the school of the seven bells because the final exam tests the ability to noiselessly remove items from the pockets of a jacket rigged with bells to make oh. sure that you can do it without distracting anyone's attention. How, how do they know when it's time for another lesson at the School of the Seven Bells? Can I tell you briefly about this guy called Apollo Robbins? Yeah, go on. Oh, okay, yeah. so he was the subject of this New Yorker piece, and um, I'll put it up on my Twitter, which is Andrew Hunter M, which is, it's, and yeah, it's really he is good. a stage pickpocket. And he can steal anything, basically. So he met Penn of Penn and Teller. And, oh, yeah. and Penn said, OK, go on, steal something from me. And he wasn't wearing... At the time, Penn was wearing a sort of sleeveless outfit and some shorts. So that's quite hard, obviously. There's less to less clothing to steal from, as it were, fewer pockets. Mm. So he asked Penn, OK, tell, take off your wedding ring, put it on a bit of paper and trace the outline with it, right? So Penn takes off his ring. He puts it on the paper. He gets his pen out of his pocket. And it won't write anything. The reason being... Apollo Robbins is holding the cartridge no. from inside the pen. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I have an even better pickpocket than that guy. Go on. Sure Are you not. ready? So this guy is called Wang Hongbo, uh, and he's from Zhengzhou. And he has been caught, well, he's been caught, so not that good, but he's been caught using chopsticks to pickpocket people. Okay. And he was photographed lifting the phone from a woman's pocket with chopsticks while she was cycling through Shenzhou. (laughs) (laughs) That is skillful, isn't it? Wow. Um, Do you know um, cool uh, pickpocket slang? No. So they have a whole range of terms and exciting ways to describe it. So, and some of that's mentioned in this New Yorker piece, actually. Um, so kissing the dog is making a mistake, <laughs> not in a Kaiser Wilhelm poodle way. <laughs> <laughs> that's a mistake where you're letting the victim see it's your face. It's always a mistake in the <laughs> Kaiser Wilhelm way. <laughs> um, and the skinning the poke, which is taking all the cash out of a wallet you've nicked, and then you get rid of the fingerprints and you throw it away. Um, and there's the teams are called whiz mobs. A team of pickpockets. It's called a whiz, whiz, a whiz mob. Yeah, that sounds. Sounds like cool. something out of Sonic the Hedgehog or something. I, it doesn't sound like a serious <laughs> yeah. criminal organisation. Yeah, it's, it's all quite Victorian though. Yeah, it's, there was some yeah. old Victorian or maybe Edwardian names for um, criminals. Do you remember oh, yeah. those? Um, swaddlers was one, which was people who uh, were Methodist preachers whose accomplices pickpocketed the congregation. 
They were known as swaddlers. What? Oh. Good. A few others. Um, bully huffs would hang around brothels, surprising and threatening the customers by claiming that the woman they were in bed with was their wife. That's very clever. And then extract money from them that way. Uh, Tatmongers were card sharps. And body baskets were women posing as sellers of pornographic books to disguise their real game, which was stealing linen off washing lines. <laughs> well, it's an, obvious, it's an obvious disguise, isn't it? You come to the door, would you like to buy some erotic literature? No. Okay, do you mind if I leave through your garden? Fine. <laughs> Um, In the 15th century, Ambrose Paré, who was a famous doctor in the 15th century, saw a beggar in Paris who was uh, begging him for money, and who did so by... I don't actually know if we can put this out. It's so gross. Say it anyway. Who did so by... uh, She begged by lifting her skirts to reveal a prolapsed rectum. It was a horrid sight, he says. It was over half a foot long, leaking pus-like fluid over her legs and garments. But his companion then attacked the woman and said, you're a big faker. You don't look sick enough to have a prolax you, rectum. You have to be pretty confident that you're right in that situation. Yeah. Don't you? <laughs> I know prolax rectums. <laughs> and that, madame... <laughs> well, he beat this woman to the ground and eventually she was forced to reveal that it was actually the prolapsed rectum of an ox that she put inside <laughs> oh, her own so bottom. So it was actually a prolapsed rectum. It yeah. was. And it was prolapsed well, I bet he felt pretty it. silly then, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a human prolapsed rectum. <laughs> It was the prolapse rectum of an ox. Yeah, that she'd put up her own bum, though. I think if you've gone to the trouble of doing that, I really think you've earned your 50 cents or whatever. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but the lifting of her skirts as well. She could just have a sign saying, prolapse rectum, please help. Wait, so if you saw someone with a sign that said... <laughs> That's probably how she started. And she's like, no one is buying this at all. Except Andy. Uh, I can show it to you, no need. Absolutely believe you. The thing is, though, I would pay... I would pay 50p not to see a pronounced rectum. That is a fair point. She should have done that. <laughs> We should move on. Um, I've just got a couple of police things. <laughs> um, policemen in Grenada are now wearing um, their Twitter handles on their uniforms now. Oh, that's that's not is, very good protection, if that's... Weirdly, it's it's a kind of way of saying to the community that you you are not going to allow us to get away with anything as much as we're not yeah, going to so allow you to Yeah, so it's like a policeman with, so. having their own name or their number on, on a badge or something like that. Mm, yeah, okay. so you can tweet them and you can tweet, because um, everyone in the town now, the police cars now have their Twitter handles. They're starting to do this in America now, police cars with Twitter handles, so wow. that people can make direct contact and... Just let it be. Uh, Do you such think a they're beautiful... all on Twitter, though? Like, maybe there's, like, get yeah. Constable Harris on Twitter <laughs> campaigns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's true. And you can add them in so you can say, I'm currently being beaten up by <laughs> Constable <laughs> Harris. <laughs> yeah. Is there, like, a really old-school cop called Nigel or something who has his fax number on his arm? <laughs> a full postal address. Yeah. <laughs> Um, one other thing is that Scotland's police force have had to ban a lot of words from their Facebook page. So this is where social media has gone against them slightly. So they have over 139 <laughs> words that, you know, they don't appear now on their page. Are they swear words mostly? Yeah. A lot of swear words, but then they include pigs. Um, so if you have an issue with a pig, that actually won't make it onto the page. Someone's Someone stolen my, my um, bacon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
If your name is Fanny, you can't write to them. <laughs> what? Yeah, because Fanny is now a banned word. Teabag, banned word. Is this in Scotland? Yeah. Lots of people are called Fanny in Scotland. I know, it's a big issue. So, basically, the way to be a criminal in Scotland is to steal pigs off people called Fanny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's nothing they can do. <laughs> Uh, a cab is also banned. Sorry, which is all cops are bastards, and uh. so is bacon fucker. <laughs> <laughs> God, they're so sensitive, aren't they? <laughs> what about Mr. John Bacon fucker though? <laughs> what about his wife Fanny Bacon fucker <laughs> and their son Teabag? <laughs> Okay, time for fact number three, and that's my fact. My fact this week is that no one is quite sure how to say the name Louis Armstrong <laughs> or Louis Armstrong. No one knows. Oh, right. So it's either Louis or Louis. Yeah. We, we're sure on Armstrong, though, right? We're sure on Armstrong. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, it's an insane thing that we don't know. I only found this out because I was on Louis slash Louis Armstrong's house.org. It's, it's like a major website for him. And someone asked, how do you pronounce the name Louis or Louis? And they, give, they go into this whole reasoning where they say that he, in songs, used to say Lewis. In interviews, they would say Louis. His friends would claim that he was called Lewis. But then his <laughs> wife used to call him Louis. And then things got really confused because he then got called Satchmo and Pops. No one knows. There's no agreed opinion. We, despite the fact that we have so much footage of this guy. <laughs> we have so many audio recordings. No one knows. But he never says, and he never breaks off from a solo, does he? By the way, it's Louis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there's a famous song called Hello Dolly, and he sings the line, This is Louis. So everyone was like, Oh, so it's Louis. That makes sense. But then later in the song, a waiter says, This is Louis. So suddenly everyone's Louis in the song. <laughs> so that was the one bit that suddenly. Well, in America, you would normally pronounce it Louis, wouldn't you? Like St. Louis mm. town and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So it feels like it should be Louis to me. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I think one of his biographers said that he told him that only white people call him Louis. Right. Uh, and that... Well, his wife. His wife called him Louis. Was she white? Don't think so, no. Oh, well. Was this the wife? He married a prostitute, didn't he? He did, yes. His, well, cause his, he had he, a couple of wives, I think. Yeah, he, he had, had four. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, but he had a couple of he? wives okay. twice. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's another thing, just with his name not being decided on. Um, they also later found out that he wasn't born when he thought he was born. And so he thought he was born. <laughs> well, on... Wait a minute, wait a minute. He thought he'd been born. He'd just come out of the womb. Yeah, and he was and like, they were like, no, you've not been born You've yet. not been born yet. Because <laughs> no, he thought he was born on the 4th of July, 1900. But it turns out he was born August 4th, 1901 oh, but wow. now all of his kind of big fan groups celebrate both birthdays so he's a bit like the queen now he's got yeah. more than one birthday per right. year are they just two different people one of them is lewis one of them is louis <laughs> one is august they were both fantastic jazz players <laughs> yeah. yeah so he did only get married a couple of times it's just the other guy got married a couple of times as well <laughs> yeah. um he was uh, he was obsessed with a particular laxative louis armstrong yes. it was called it's called swiss chris and um, it got sold by uh, this American dietitian called Gaylord Hauser. And Louis Armstrong would give whole interviews about his diet and about how fantastic this laxative was. And he said, the first time I tried it, it sounded like applause. <laughs> he said I had to crawl back to bed. Wow. Um, he would he... know what applause sounds like as well, wouldn't <laughs> <Yeah>. he? <laughs> um, and he, he would post fans' um, cards... 
He had he had his diet advice printed on cards to post back to any fans who wrote to him asking about it. And then he had specially printed cards which had him on a toilet on the front of it, a picture of him on the toilet, and then holding then... holding the bottle of Swiss Chris yeah. in and his hand. He would send it back with a free sample of Swiss Chris. Yeah. this is how devoted. And then he I was. think there was a slogan on the cards, wasn't there? And he had he had this slogan printed saying, "Satch says, leave it all behind you." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. And he never accepted a penny from endorsing them, ever. <laughs> really? He was never paid. He just Good. loved it. He I loved it so much. He did it every day. love of diarrhea. Yeah, every day. He took it every day. Okay, so um, the Voyager probes, um, which they sent up um, with a record on, which contains sounds and images about Earth, that includes uh, Louis Armstrong music. Does it? Yeah, it also has hmm. some Bach, Beethoven, Stravinsky, and it has a Peruvian wedding song. Sounds good. An address by UN Secretary General Kurt Waldhelm and a recording of the Azerbaijani Bagpipe Orchestra. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I hope they start with the Bach and the Beethoven. Yeah. Hey, you've, you haven't heard the Azerbaijani thing, have you? <laughs> I've heard bagpipes. <laughs> it was meant to as well have a Beatles song, and all the Beatles said yes to it going on, but the record label said no. And the the rumor is they said no because they thought if suddenly there is life out there, we don't have rights to these planets that will then be <laughs> using the song, <laughs> which is nuts. Yeah, I've signed contracts that say, like, in all universes and universal <laughs> rights. <Yeah. laughs> do you think maybe when the aliens come down to invade, the first thing they're going to do is go, um, yeah, can you take us to your bagpipe orchestra, please? <laughs> <laughs> we are massive fans. <laughs> Um, so on mispronunciation of names, yes. oh, yeah. um, Samuel Taylor Coleridge, a great poet, obviously, mm-hmm. um, he said the following of his name, and I can't tell whether he was taking the mickey or not, I'm not sure, but he said, I think that the word Coleridge, and he brackets, amphimacron, long on both sides, has a noble verbal physiognomy. It is one of the vilest Beelzebub cries of detraction to pronounce it Coleridge, or Coleridge, or even Coleridge. Um, and in his own poems, he rhymes it with Polar Ridge, Scholar Ridge, and The Whole Ridge. So, <laughs> The Whole Ridge. <laughs> yeah. That's a great nickname. That sounds like his wrestling name, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> so yeah. he's saying anything. He, yeah, but he rhymes way, it with everything. Anything goes, but. He rhymed it with anything, but he also said to say, to say long on both sides, which Cole Ridge. Or, no, but that's the third way he said don't Cole pronounce it. Coolridge. I've no idea how he wanted it Can to Can I be just pronounced. say as well, why is he putting his own name in his own poems? Oh, for, you know, for fun. Yeah, it's yeah. just like a rap artist. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Very what cool. he was doing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know the word um, ask, mm-hmm. or you might say ask. And ox. then, yeah, some ox. people in London say ox. Yeah, like, why is that? Did you ox me? Apparently, people have been making that mispronunciation for more than a thousand years. What? It's not a modern thing at all. That's fantastic. A thousand years? What was there to ask people about back then? What was there to ask? <laughs> Would be like, uh, let's Can say... I borrow your arcs? <laughs> Noah's arcs. <laughs> yeah. um, I, can I uh, mention something about trumpets very quickly? Please do. Okay, so obviously Louis Armstrong, just to wrap it back around, played trumpet very famously. Uh, they found a trumpet in Tutankhamun's grave. Did they? So not only just his socks... That we that where he got the word toot in his name. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they found a trumpet in Tutankhamun's grave. I Amazing. really like that. Was it yeah. from that age, or was it just something that was left there by the original excavator? <laughs> How much harder when he broke in? <laughs> oh, we got to go back. I left my trumpet. <laughs> Why'd you bring a trumpet? 
I was actually just coming to do a gig. I went to the wrong venue. <laughs> turned out. You thought he was on the pyramid stage at Glastonbury. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, you know who else was a jazz star? Uh, Romano Mussolini. Which I think we might have mentioned on the show. Mussolini's son, that is, right? Yeah, yeah, he was a jazz pianist, and he started under an assumed name, as you would, (laughs) because it's such a drag that your dad's this square fascist dictator. Um, But then in the 1960s, his ensemble got acclaim, and he reverted to his real name. And um, he brought it. Well, because the Mussolini name had been rehabilitated <laughs> by then. That's, that's a terrible <laughs> time to thrust that on your band members as well. <laughs> You'll notice on the banner I've brought <laughs> a little tweaking I've done. <laughs> one, one, the article I read about him, I mean, he played with Dizzy Gillespie and Duke Ellington, and the, the article I read said, although he shied away from his heritage. <laughs> shied away? He wrote a memoir called uh, in 2004 called uh, Il Duce, My Father. Oh. Yeah. He says uh, that Mussolini was a caring father. Oh, really? Not that that makes a difference, I'd like to stress. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know, it's changed my opinion about him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, time for our final fact of the show, and that is James. Okay, my fact this week is the man who holds the Guinness World Record for the lowest voice can hit notes that are so low only elephants can hear them. <laughs> how, how do we know? Yeah, how do we know that? Uh, we can, well, computers can hear them <laughs> as well as elephants. Uh, but, yeah, actually, other large animals would be able to hear them as well. But, uh, yeah, below human hearing range. Wow. He can hit a note which is eight octaves below the lowest G on a piano. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I know. And he, did he say that he can't really hear them? He would. He can kind he of. He can't hear them at all, can he? No, he can't. But he can kind of feel a vibration through his body when he when he does them. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. How how can he sing so low? Uh, he has um, vocal cords which are about twice as long as a normal person. So as a normal probably... person. <laughs> so they're like twelve feet long. <laughs> Yeah, dangling behind him or something <laughs> like prolapse rectum <laughs> no sorry those are my vocal cords and he takes his money back <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah he can he can feel it coming through his body which actually um, you will get that with astronauts in space um, we can pick up sounds uh, from people on the moon but it's usually the vibrations going through the body of the of the astronaut because there's not enough atmosphere for the waves to propagate. Oh, so, yeah, so the vibration of the helmet is it brings can, the sound yeah. through. Wow. So they, they, they talk by touching helmets if they couldn't talk to each other via... Uh, I don't know if they do that, but I guess they could do that, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't sense. think they have done that, but I think... Yeah, it would make they sense. They could. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, it's the other thing is why you hear your voice differently from a recording to what you hear in real life. Because you hear it through your body, you're, you're not hearing it as other people hear it, which is through the air, you're hearing it through your face. So does it sound oh. deeper to you? Uh, it does sound a bit deeper to you, yeah. Because it's the vibration. I is, think so, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. yeah, we, fa- we do fancy, um, like, we're, we're attracted to people with deeper voices, aren't we? Well, women are attracted to men with deeper voices, apparently because it signifies a larger body size. And apparently, a study has shown men are attracted to women with higher voices. But I'm very sceptical about that. Well, there are a lot of women with very husky voices. Yeah, and who, people love that. Know, yeah. So. Well, there was a study that found that um, people, men with lower-pitched voices um, had higher numbers of sexual partners, um, but people with more attractive voices actually also have lower sperm quality. Oh. 
Really? Is that yeah. because they're putting all their effort into their voice? <laughs> <laughs> In, yeah. Inside the body, there's a guy going, yeah, don't worry about the sperm. Let's let's turn every, all our attention to the voice. Yeah. Yeah. Did you just do a like, slight Italian accent for the thing inside your body? <laughs> that controls you. He's <laughs> <laughs> an Italian guy. He feels like he has an Italian inside breaking out. Yeah. <laughs> I like to stress it's not a Mussolini. <laughs> So elephants can tell the difference between different human languages. Mm. So they could tell which language this guy was singing in at his incredibly low thing. Oh, can they? Yeah. How do we know they can tell? They've tested two different African ethnic groups on elephants, and those are the Kamba, who are uh, they're basically farmers. They don't really hunt elephants, and the Maasai, who often hunt elephants. And, and they're they pl- afraid of. Yeah, they're afraid of, um, and they were recorded saying the same phrase: uh, "Look, look over there, a group of elephants is coming." And then that was played to elephants. And when the Maasai said it in their language, the elephants got spooked, um, but only. Uh, Maasai men, who are the guys who do the hunting, because women and children of either group... It could be the way that they're saying it, though, right? Because if you're a hunter of elephants, you're going to say, look over there, there's some elephants, we can hunt them. Whereas if you're a farmer, you're like, oh my god, look, there's some elephants coming, they're going (laughs) to trample our crops. Look, there's some elephants coming, run! I hadn't thought of that. (laughs) I I think think it's evidence, though. Uh, It sounds like a pretty good study, but that is a good point. But that also suggests that they understand the words that are being said as opposed to the tone, right? What They heard the word elephant and go, oh, that's us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> My ears are burning. <laughs> <laughs> they can also, elephants, they've recently discovered, can point, can't they? And they're the first uh, animal that's with not an tongue ape. or with their feet? They can recognize pointing of humans. Um, so if a human points to a bucket that has food in it, then they'll go oh, to that one okay. rather than the other one. That's and they're the only animal who aren't apes who can do it and lots of apes can't but they think elephants might point with their trunks so they wow. thought that they're moving their trunks around is just you know for gags shits and giggles but actually it's thought that they might be pointing t- at each other with that's their trunks fantastic. that's fantastic yeah that's really cool cool elephants can also recognize themselves in the mirror can't they and in fact i think sorry this is what um we don't think anything else can do that's not from the ape family so i retract the last ape thing but uh-huh. they can recognize themselves in a mirror and if you put a dot on their forehead then they will and they see themselves in the mirror their reflection they will like try and get the dot off their own forehead rather than like an idiot like all other animals trying to get the dot off the forehead <laughs> of the reflection in the mirror oh okay so well done them yeah that's quite cool also do you remember that um because they paint don't they uh, and yeah, that was yeah. an incredible study. That's why he sold so few paintings of his own in his lifetime. His <laughs> it negotiating was, it was, was very, very messy when he cut off his ear. <laughs> <laughs> Sent in that huge package. <laughs> um, there was this amazing footage that came out years ago of an elephant using a paintbrush painting an elephant. And basically, everyone was going, what the hell is this? And it turns out that they were being trained in very cruel ways to be able to do it. But they can do it, and they can memorize every single movement that they need to do in order to paint this thing. Uh, Everyone thought this was a hoax, and I think it was Richard Dawkins who went out to find out about it because he thought this is impossible. And it's absolutely true. They've trained these elephants to hold a paintbrush and paint canvas drawings. And you can buy elephant paintings online now that they do. They're extraordinary. Don't buy them. Sounds like you'd be condoning it's cruelty. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's massive cruelty. But like the video footage is extraordinary to watch wow. an elephant doing something with such precision as well. Amazing. Yeah. Um, on I've got something about voices. Please. Mm. Oh, yeah. So you know that the biggest hearing range of any uh, creature? Okay. Can you guess? A bat. 
It's not a bat. It's a, it's a bat's prey creature, though. It's a, a moth. It's a moth. Oh. Is it the greater wax moth? It is the greater wax moth. <laughs> How on earth did you know that? <laughs> I just know stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, like it can hear something really, really... A noise that bats can't make or something. That's it. The, in the course of evolution, it has evolved a greater hearing range than the noises bats make. So most of wow. bats' prey creatures can't hear them. Because they, they, they just get eaten out of the air and they, yeah. uh, they have no defence against it. But the moth has evolved such a massive hearing range that um, it, it, not, only, it not only can it hear everything the bat does, it can talk to other ma- wax moths uh-huh. in higher than a uh, bat's uh, range. It's very cool. That's uh-huh. so good. That also that feels like quite a good insult for some reason, saying, I can hear noises you can't even make. (laughs) (laughs) It's true in humans that your hearing of high noises decreases as you get older, Yeah, uh, which is why they had those mosquito sounds outside shops, which were to disperse teenagers, very, very high-pitched sounds. Um, But people of my age wouldn't be able to hear them because my little silly in my ears Mm. have died out. It's also useful if you want to talk about sex in front of your grandparents. You could just do it like this. (laughs) Hello, would you like to go for a quick shag right now? (laughs) (laughs) It's already gone here. (laughs) Cool, the voices are really low, aren't they? They're 20 times lower than you'd expect from their body size. They're about as low as an elephant's voice. And that's because their organs that make the sound is an organ that no other animals have. It's got, um, I think they've got two uh, vocal pouches instead of one, which most most creatures have, two vocal folds. They're weird, aren't they, koalas? They're just, yeah, they're bizarre. They're really Top strange. They're weird. Like, they have the longest cecum of any animal. Which is uh, the small intestine, yeah. I think, or the large intestine. One and, the like, their brain is really tiny. And Well, the, the brain is not, it's not incredibly small, but it is very unfolded. Yeah. So it doesn't have much intricacy in it. And as a result, it's got a very, very low surface area. They are so stupid. It feels ones. like they were made by a kind of trainee. Yeah. yeah, because I think it sounds like the brain and the vocal cords got confused because the vocal cords are very folded and the brain is very unfolded. Okay. So he obviously thought, one well, is the brain uh, in its neck? The little Italian inside the koalas <laughs> uh, was drunk when he made them. Mamma mia, what have you done? There is a black hole which does the deepest noise of anything in nature uh, and it does a b flat which is 57 octaves below middle c so this guy that we were talking about before was eight octaves and the black hole is 57 octaves and if you wanted to play that on a keyboard you'd need a keyboard more than 15 meters long <laughs> <laughs> and it's only for that one note as well yeah, really. <laughs> and can elephants even hear that who are you playing elephants for? cannot hear that wow you yeah would... who is the black hole playing to yeah and you wouldn't you would need to something to reach it with like kaiser wilhelm's pencil <laughs> <laughs> well, an elephant's trunk maybe that's why ah. they have such long trunks so they can play the wider pianos yeah. that are necessary um have you got do you guys know about or do any of you do this uh, vocal fry. Do you engage in vocal fry? No. Not even heard of it. Not knowingly. Well, you might do. Um, so vocal fry is the lowest human register. So the guy with the highest pitch voice on earth, for instance, is singing in his whistle register, um, which is the highest register, which actually the person who has the highest pitch of singing in the world goes much higher than the highest whistle in the world. And anyway, the vocal fry wow. register is your lowest register, but um, it's become really fashionable and people have started doing vocal fry. And it's that thing, 66% of college women do it, for instance. And it's this thing where people talk like this, you know, Oh. Like American girls the Paris Hilton. talking like the Par- yeah exactly Paris Hilton does it I think and Keisha with a dollar sign in her name yeah 
Um, and apparently it's really bad for your vocal cords. It sounds like a strain. Uh, yeah, it's bad for your vocal cords. And also it's bad for you in job interviews, something like 85%. No kidding. <laughs> I just thought you had some kind of horrible disease or something. I want a job. I don't understand. Wait, so it's not a low... Because it doesn't sound... Is it lower? It is lower, yeah. It and, it's, and apparently this is... Everyone's doing it now in America. Yeah, yeah Interviewers thing. are saying, we don't like this. Stop. Stop it. <laughs> Talk. Mid-interview. I do not like this. <laughs> but that's how I... T- just stop. <laughs> Mr. Spielberg, just stop. <laughs> okay, okay um, we're coming to the end of the interview now. Is there anything you'd like to ask me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it. That's all of our facts. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with any of us about the things that we have said, you can get us on our Twitter handles. I'm on at Schreiberland. James at Eggshapes Andy at Andrew Hunter M and Anna you can email podcast at qi.com and we will be back again next week with another episode we'll see you then goodbye <laughs>